we all up late watching basketball last night. Some of you, I know you were. It's, there's some tension in the room, in the air of what could be, and I don't really want to talk about it. Um, is this a, there's coffee going on. There's basketball going on. Um, there's spring in the air, right? There's, there's whatever you bring into the room this morning, and we're pretty, we're pretty excited about specifically this series, and we said last week, this behind-the-curtain series. We believe that God's using it specifically to prepare our hearts for Easter, not just Easter Sunday, but the season, and as a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God, like every Sunday is Easter Sunday for us in some ways. We're always built on the same thing, the, the death and resurrection and victory and champion of, of Jesus. So last week, we started this series called Behind the Curtain, and we unpacked where that comes from in Scripture. We'll get back to that. Um, in a second. We're going to take another step into that. And if you, if you, uh, if you did miss that, uh, we'd love for you to go back and catch that um, because it's really laying the foundation uh, for what we believe God's going to do building up to, to Easter. The, um, I'm not wearing any, uh, any gear today. Uh, sometimes I'll wear Nike or Adidas stuff. And I like to mess with kids. I like to mess with kids because they'll believe stuff I say even when I'm completely make it, messing, uh, making it up. So uh, we were in the theater. We started this church in a movie theater, and there was some kids, and, and somebody was being, some teenager was being smart with me after church. was like, man, why are you always wearing Nike stuff? Why are you always wearing Adidas stuff to preach in, right? And I said with a straight face, I was like, if, if, if you got paid what I got paid by Nike to wear what I wear, then you would wear it too. Like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, you've heard of sponsorships, right? I'm not an athlete. I'm not getting millions of dollars, but I, get, I got a little contract, and they pay me so much every time I wear, and they bought it, right? And then I was like, well, I ain't going to tell them the truth until they ask their parents. They're like, you believe that, right? So then the problem with being like I am is my own kids, half the time they don't believe what I'm saying because I'm constantly, you know, just making stuff up. That's, that's, that's who I am. Some people call it lying, but it's not lying, right? It's just having fun, right? So what, what, I, what I'll say, sometimes I'll be talking about something real and serious, and my kids are like, we don't believe you, Dad. And I have to go to, no, I promise, right? And, and they kind of know from life and history, like, I'm not going to say I promise unless I'm for real, right? And that's a little sense of where we were last week in this, in this text of, of God coming to Abraham and saying, I'm going to bless every race, nationality, and person in the future through your name, through your um, line, through your lineage, through your family tree. And the problem with that was Abraham was old and his wife was old and they had no kids, Right, so, so God's like, okay, I know it's hard to believe, so I'm going to put a promise and an oath on it. And that's what we preached last week. That promise led to Jesus. It was a foreshadowing of the Messiah of Jesus, which led to him dying for our sins. And, and it says that we're in, we inherit, we're heirs. Right, so that's the promise that God put his name on. It's like, I know that's hard to believe sometimes in the day-to-day of, of March 27th, 2022, that you're actually today at this moment closer, listen, closer than you've ever been to your inheritance, right? It's, it's like we've never been as close and we're already closer than we were a few seconds ago when I said that, right? And he said, I know that there's going to be life and distractions and weight and, and spiritual battle, so I'm going to give you this promise and I'm going to give you each other and I'll, this promise, I'm going to put my name on it. It's going to be an oath. I'm going to say, like, I'm not messing with you. I'm, this is real. This is coming. And that promise is the hope that anchors our soul. And that's where we left off last week. Let me show you the verse, Hebrews 6, 19. We have this. This is talking about the promise, the hope. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. So we unpacked that hope last week. I want to go now, as we look at this, we have this. Remember, this is referring to the hope um, and the promise and it's an anchor of our soul. We unpacked that last week. So now I want to I get into this, this hope that enters into the inner place. I told you what that was last week, but we really didn't get into the nitty gritty, which matters. Now, if you're a history person, this, you're going to like this a lot. If you're not a history person, stay with me because this matters of what God's doing in our Easter season, what he's doing in our church, what he's doing in your life. So uh, God made this promise that was the foreshadowing of the multi-ethnic church. He made it to a man named Abraham. You maybe have heard of him, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Abraham had Isaac. Um, Isaac, Jacob, all right? And then Jacob has the 12 uh, sons that become the 12 tribes of, of Israel. One of those sons is named Levi. I think he's the fourth son, all right? Those are, those, that's the great-grandson of Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has 12 boys. 
Levi. Levi, right? Levi eventually has a great-grandson named Moses. So just to connect, that Abraham has a great-grandson named Levi. Levi has a great-grandson named Moses. That's how we get from Abraham to Moses. All right, Moses has a brother named Aaron. Right? Some of you are like, man, my, you already lost me, Pastor. Right? Fa- family trees, I know they get crazy. Moses has a brother named Aaron. I'm just, I'm just trying to connect the dots from Abraham to Levi to Moses and Aaron. Aaron, because he's from uh, the, the line of Levi, the Levitical, Levitical line of priests, Aaron becomes the first high priest in Scripture. All right? So why does that matter? Well, because it has to do with this inner place. This is New Testament Hebrews. This is written, you know, in the 50 years or so after Jesus, right? But it's referring to, there's a hope that enters the inner place. What is the inner place? Well, it's a, it's a reference to the, the temple, right? The temple of the Jewish people. So I'm going to show you a few pictures just to get your, your you know, our visual minds um, of what that temple might have looked like. We don't have actual pictures. Cameras had yet to be invented. Uh, but this is a model, all right? So this is a, a model. This is a holy, the holy temple, the holy place. And there's a, a literal curtain. There was a literal curtain, a veil that would separate what you might call the sanctuary, the holy place where the Jewish people would come from the holy of holies. So behind that, that's what the Hebrews is referring to as the inner place is the holy of holies. Here's another picture, uh, just of a zoom back, more of a diagram. So there's the outer courtyard and and different people based on race, based on gender could go different places. And then the holy place. And then in the back is the holy of holies, that inner place that was separated by the curtain. It's a small room. What's inside there? It's called, the, it's the Ark of the Covenant. I saw, I can't believe they still show this on TV. Some of you remember this, depending on your age. Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? The first Indiana Jones movie, all right? All right, so that was on um, the other day. What, the whole movie is about finding that, the Ark of the Covenant, right? Which was a special thing to the Jewish people for a lot of reasons. But inside that was some, some man, it was like memorabilia from the biggest hits, right? There was some manna in there. There was a staff from, from Aaron, all right? And then... You know, there was the, the tablets, the, the Ten Commandments that were given um, from God. So, so those were there. But, but more important than the things that were in there, God had said at that time, I'm going to show up. I'm going to dwell. There's a, there's a Hebrew word, Shekinah. My, my glory, my presence is going to be in the Holy of Holies. That's where I'm going to be, right? I need to speak with God. Where is God? Well, he's everywhere. But in that time in the temple, God says, I'm going to dwell specifically in a place, in a room in the temple. So God's presence and his glory was in this room, in the Ark of the Covenant. So, So we all would go in there and just hang out with God. No, that's not how it was. There was one, there was the whole line of Levi. Remember uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi, Levi's great-grandson Aaron. So, so after Aaron became the high priest, God picked the Levites, the people, if you were in that tribe, so you could trace back your genealogy and who you come from. If I'm a Levite, I'm part of the priestly, so we were the priests. Now, everybody that was a Levite wasn't a priest, all right, I don't know how like, the test went, but some people just didn't do well on the priest test. So you were a Levite, you're like, you know what? You can set up the tabernacle. We'll let you like, uh, put, put, you know, clean up the, the entrance or whatever. So they had all jobs, but a lot of them were priests. But if you weren't a Levite, you couldn't be a priest. And then they would select, of all the priests, they would select one high priest. He was the only one that was allowed in the Holy of Holies. So you have 12 tribes of Israel, you have one tribe that's the priest, of all the priests, you have some that are priests, and you have one that's the high priest. And he was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies one day a year. It's a holiday now, we'll talk a little more in depth next week, because then this is, this is so connected to the cross, and we're going to bring it all together, um, and there's a lot of details that matter that we'll get into next week, but for today, that, that holiday, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, it was the day the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to meet with God in the presence of God, to atone for the sins of the people, to make things right with God. And, and can you imagine, like, you, I'm trying to think of something and go back to Hebrews 6, 19. Um, I was trying to think of something today, and it's just nothing religious that even uh, really compares. I did think about the, um, you know, the queen of England across the pond, 
They, like, and some people are really into that. It's fascinating to me. One time I, I, I went because I was like, I want to know who gets to be king and queen. And it's crazy. Like the firstborn and, and, and you got to have this DNA and blood and it can't be this and who's in line and, and seventh in line. And, you know, our, I mean, our, our, the, the queen is like, what, 164 right now? But one day she's going to die and somebody's going to, and like the, certain people, only certain people from that. And if you're born into that family, my goodness, that's a, a life different than most of us will ever know. Well, well, that like sort of, kind of in the high, like you had to be from the line, you had to be selected. And there's one, you talk about exclusive club. One person is the high priest and the only one and they go in there one day a year. Now, fast forward after all that and Jesus comes and Jesus goes back to heaven, he establishes his church and God gives this, reveals who he is and what he's about through the scripture and we have this anchor or hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, signifying the presence of God. And we left right there last week, we left on a comma. I hate to end a message on a comma. Right, but but you know you gotta you gotta come back the next week and see where we're at. So here's where we are. Comma behind the curtain. Comma Hebrews six twenty, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right, so there's a lot of let's 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 unpack where Jesus has gone. Where has he gone? He's gone to the inner place behind the curtain as a forerunner. Well, forerunner is like this, this word in, in, in the Greek that, that's like, if we're, uh, if we're in battle, I'm going to send you out to check out where the enemy's at. You're the forerunner. You're the scout. You go ahead of everybody else. That Jesus went ahead of everybody else. Where did he go? He went to the inner place behind the curtain where God's presence is. And he went on our behalf, this whole thing, this whole illustration, the reason we have the curtain up here, all the stuff we did last week with the curtain, is that you're invited behind the curtain into an intimate place with Jesus, an intimate relationship. And there's something in us, and I want you to admit that if it's hard for you, there's something in us that, that fights that. There's something in us that's like, I don't know if I belong behind the curtain. There's something in me that says, I can't. I can't go back there. If that's where the holiness of God dwells, if that's where the presence of God dwells, like I, I don't belong there. I'm not worthy of like, I don't want to, oh, that's, I'm uncomfortable with that on some level. I'm, maybe I'll, and the problem with that uncomfortability is it, it, it exposes my lack of understanding that nobody's worthy, right? If you try to get worthy to go behind the curtain, then Nobody's going behind the curtain. And Jesus knew we weren't worthy and we'd never be worthy. So he went as a forerunner on our behalf because he is worthy. His worthiness makes you worthy. What? Like some of you do not know a God who's inviting you behind the curtain. You know a God that says, hey, stay in your lane. Out there. Don't come near me with all your junk, all your mess, all your addiction, all your fear, all your doubts. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want all that. But the true gospel and the true God, that's, that's, that's how Jesus lived, how he lived. That's what's so crazy about the gospel. Like, that's what drove people nuts about Jesus because he kept going to people that don't deserve the time of day from anybody representing God. He kept seeking out the the people that had ruined their lives. He kept seeking out the people that were just making the same mistakes over and over. He kept seeking the people out that culture and society had already said, man, don't even mess with them. Right? You remember how people talked about Jesus, the religious people? Like, you can't be God's son. You can't be representing God. What was their proof? Like, there's a lot of arguments. Who this? Because he got a name. He was healing people. People are saying this. You can't possibly be anybody important. What was their proof? Why? Because look who you're hanging with. If you in any way knew God, then the one thing you would not do is be sitting with them. You can't be holy because it's like holiness 101. Don't sit with those people, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, irreligious, pagan, lost hurting, broken people. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I, I came for the sick. Why? What does that have to do with, well, because he knew what he was coming to accomplish, the whole deal. He wasn't coming for people that thought they were worthy to go behind the curtain because nobody's worthy. He was coming 
to die on a cross and raise the dead, not so we could have Easter Sunday and wear pretty dresses and get together with our families. He was coming to change lives. He was coming as a forerunner on our behalf to invite us in to the holy of holies and the presence of God. It says that he's a high priest forever. Right? And this, this Melchizedek, man, that's a complicated, interesting, and you can read and, and get in and do kind of your own study on that. But, but the weird thing is, I said Aaron was the first high priest, and he was, but Melchizedek, he just showed up out of nowhere. He's a mysterious figure, and he's alluded to in the New Testament, and he wasn't a Levite. He wasn't from the right family, but he just was. And that was a foreshadowing of Jesus, because Jesus wasn't from the tribe of Levi either. Jesus was the tribe of Judah. So he didn't have the priestly blood in him that you were supposed to have, yet he is the high priest forever, right? So the Levites served their purpose. That died when Jesus came. It doesn't matter what tribe you're from. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or not Jewish, right? Jesus became, he's the ultimate forever high priest. Like Melchizedek, he was out of the, the ordered plan, and that was by God's design. He is the only high priest that exists. What does that mean? It means you don't need a human to get to God. And I know, like I know from backgrounds and some of you are like, well, wait, that goes against everything I was taught. I'm sorry, but I'm not, right? You don't need a human. There is no human. There is no pastor. There is no priest that God will listen to you only if you come through them. That's man-made. We say we're a relationship over religion. What's the biggest red flag that it's religion, not relationship? Here's how you know it's religion. It came from the mind of man. Everything in the gospel says Jesus came as a forerunner on our behalf so God could have his people come to him without having to go through a human. What does that sound like from God and his gospel that's in Jesus so no one, or does that sound like humans sitting in a room and say, hey, here's what we could do to keep the power. Let's make them, let's make them have to come through us to even get to this God. There's so many religions that are living in the old law, even though Jesus has come to abolish it. So here we are. We, we now have a priest forever. How do you get to God? Jesus was very bold. People say, you know, there's all these religions. They're all kind of the same flavor. No, they're completely different because Jesus was the only one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't get to the Father unless you come through me. I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm the way. Right? I came as, I am the priest now. This is who we go through. And if you go through Jesus, Jesus connects us to what? To the very presence of God. Intimate. We talked about that word last week. Intimacy is behind the curtain. And I want to sit here for a minute. Because this has been uh, perhaps the most life-changing truth. Like now 15 years of not that I got it all figured out, but 15 years of really understanding that God calls me to intimacy and, and, and the phrases we use are, are more than just phrases that, man, I want a relationship. I don't want religion. I want transformation, not transaction. That comes from this, this truth, this intimacy, this call. And the problem, of, the problem with this for me was distance. And I'm just be real with you. Um, and, and maybe you can identify, maybe you can't, but, but there, was a, there was a portion of my life with Jesus where I wanted distance. Does that make sense? You ever been there? Like, I wasn't mad at God. I, like, I believed in God. I was following God. I was a Christian. But to me, if, if behind that curtain represents the holiness and presence of God, I don't I think it's pretty logical. I don't think I'm alone. I just was of the, of the ilk. That's a fun word to say. You ever try to use that this week? Just, that's, your, that's your only, no, it's not your only, but I was of the thinking, honestly, he's holy. I believe he's real. He's been so good to me. He sent Jesus to die for me. He knows me and he loves me. All that, yes, 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 yes. If he knows me, he knows everything there is. He knows what I've done. He knows what I thought. He knows what I've thought about doing, want to do. He knows what I've watched. He knows what I've said. He knows what I wanted to say but didn't say and stepped under my breath. He knows everything there is to know. He's holy. He knows me fully. How close would he really want me to him? And more importantly, how close do I really want to be? 
how close do I really want to get? Like, I can't even really, holy? Like, we throw that word around, we sing it all. Holy isn't like, I was holy for a, for a month. Like, I had a really good month. Holy is this, this character. Holy is this never changes. Holy can't come and go. Holy, perfect, like never. Well, some of you, we get along, right? And we love Jesus and we don't celebrate our sin, but, but there's something in us like we both know and respect. Man, we've blown it in life. And I can respect that about you. You can respect that about me. Like we don't glorify that, but we just have that in common, right? He doesn't know. He's always been holy. It's all he can ever be. How could I... How can I march into the inner place behind the, like, the last place that I want to be is behind the curtain with a holy God? Right? You felt that? We're, we're, we're going through Mark as a church, and if you didn't know about that, then join us this week. It's a big chapter, Mark 10. God will meet you. He will meet you in Scripture. And there's this, there's this story, uh, it wasn't in Mark, um, but that made me think of Mark. It was in, it was in Luke, but it's it's this time where God's, or Jesus is calling his disciples, and this is going to tie back to this holiness. And he comes up on them, and he comes up on and they've been, they've been fishing all night. And he says, Jesus says to Peter, hey, why don't you, they've caught nothing, right? They, they put, put your net on the other side of the boat. We've preached this story before. Put your net on the other side of the boat. And Peter talks back to Jesus because that's how Peter was. He's like, Master, we, we, like, you're the rabbi. You, you, you got that area, right? This is what I do. I'm a professional fisherman. We've been out here all night. And you're telling us to put our nets on. Like, ain't nothing biting. It's one of those nights. But then after he thinks it through, he's like, reluctantly eh, puts the net on the other side of the boat. You know, you can see him rolling his eyes through the whole thing. And then they catch more fish than their boat will hold. And Peter's reaction, a lot of it, like, Peter's reaction should be like, ooh. Oh, fish fried, like what? Yo, this is awesome. Remember his reaction? Depart from me. Jesus just pulled the fish miracle. Of, forget the little two fish feeding five thousand. This was, there's no fish in the lake. Fishermen can't fish anything for 10 hours. And now, just move your net a few feet and boom. And Peter's reaction, Jesus, depart from me. Get away from me. Comma, for I am a sinful man. It's natural in us. Because Peter thought, oh no. If he knows, if I know there was no fish there, we fished there all night. If he can, if he can somehow have power over the fish, then he knows everything. If he knows everything and he knows me. If he knows me, he knows everything about me. Oh, please, please, please get away. I can't be near this. Because holiness shines this huge spotlight on our sin. Right? You understand that? If, if, if you think you've been working on your game, right? We're a basketball fan. You've been thinking about you working on your game. You've been working, 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 working. And then you show up in a gym with somebody way above you. And it just, their greatness highlights your shortcoming. Well, his perfection and holiness. So for a lot of my life, and I can't tell you I'm healed from this church. I, I, I'm, I'm growing. For a lot of my life, I embrace distance because I know who I am. I know my struggles, and I know holiness, and I know those don't mix. So I love you, Jesus, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you, but it's going to be a healthy distance. For your sake, because you don't want me messing up or whatever you got going, as if I could, and for my sake, because I'm uncomfortable, right? It's the difference in the following, right? I got teenage kids now, so if we're at a, a stadium or a packed crowd or an amusement park with my teenagers, I'm like, hey, you know, because my wife, she's not in the service, so I can say this. This is, this is the main reason that we left online is so I could say things about my wife and she wouldn't be able to prove it, right? So you all know, you don't like run to her and say, you know that, right? So the, my, my wife is awesome in so many ways, 
Um, she tends to lean a little on the um, worst case scenario way of thinking, right? So, so, and I tend to, maybe it's a good match, maybe it's not. I tend to lean on the everything will be fine end of things. So, so if we're today, if we're in a packed place somewhere, she's gonna be like, guys, stay close, right? And I'm gonna be like, yes, what your mother said. But then I'm walking, right? And she's like, and it's like well, what about the kids? I'm like, honey, they're, they're teenagers. Well, what if somebody takes them? I'm like, what if somebody does? Like, good luck with that, right? They're, like, they're, they're too old to be taken. Like, they're, they're past that, right? Um, so, and that's maybe not the best. But part of that comes from our kids. At this stage, like, they're not, like, riding on our backs like they were when they were little, holding our hands. It's like, hey, we're going. And hopefully... If you, we, that's why I tell Kelly, like, we've got cell phones. We got, like, if we lose them, it'll be a fun story to tell in church. That's kind of the way I look at it, right? But when they were four, five, six, man, right, they're, they're on my back. Their hands, like, you don't have to tell them, like, they're holding tight because they don't crowd. They're uncomfortable, right? And there's something in us, and let me talk to you that have been following Jesus for more than a minute. There's something in your human nature that thinks, you know, I got this. Maybe I can follow a little less close. And that's not of God, right? As we get older, and I'm good with my teenagers, you know, not following as close. That's a natural part of life. But I'm telling you, as you mature in Christ, you're going to run closer and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. You're going to hold his hand tighter. You're going to follow him. And to follow him, you have to be in relationship that's intimate. And to have intimacy, you have to follow Jesus who went ahead of you into the holy of holies. See, we... When we follow, but we don't want to get too tight, when we don't know that Jesus went ahead of us, you know, we've reduced it in American culture so many times to how close do I have to follow in order to get to heaven? That's so sad. How close, what, what do I have to do or what do I have to not do to like when this life ends, whatever's coming to be okay in that? Like that's so not what he's called us to. It's so short of the joy and the relationship and the, the intimacy that he calls us too, and, and you lose all the benefits, right? That's what we got. We got people not, you know, and we're a church for agnostics, and we love, like I've got atheist uh, people that, that come to our church. If you didn't know, I don't believe in God, but I don't know even why I'm here. And I'm like, I know why you're here, because there's a relentless God who doesn't give up on anybody, and you don't have to believe in him to be a part of this thing, and because we're going to see God work, and I love all that. But we got so many people in our culture, maybe in the room, I don't know, like you do believe in God. There's no doubt that you believe in God, but you're following him, sort of. And you're wondering like, man, these songs are great, but I don't really, I don't know if that's true in my life. I don't know if I am who, I, who he says I am. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel the stuff that they feel. And, I don't, I don't, and, and the reason is when you follow from a distance, right, you don't have the relationship. And if you don't have the relationship, there, is, there isn't the joy and the peace and the benefits, not heaven. Like that's coming. And we talked about that last week. But the day-to-day heaven in your life from Jesus having a relationship with you, like that's where it's at. And if you're following from a distance, you don't get any of that. You just get kind of like a routine. And man, we're about to celebrate in three weeks as a culture that Jesus came and died on a cross and defeated death. And he didn't do that so you could have a routine. Did that so you could know him. So what, what about the Holy of Holies, right? So, so let's get back to the, because you're like, you know what? Get all that. But as far as the inner place and the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, like what does that all have to do with us now? Because I still don't know if I belong. Like if there's a place and a presence of God that represents his holiness, I don't, like if we, if we say through those two doors is the holiness of God, like who's running? Like there's a lot of us like still, I don't know if I, be, I believe what you're saying, but I don't know if I can go through those doors. We'll, we'll check this out a few chapters later in Hebrews. He's kind of building on the same promise, inheritance and priest, Jesus, all that. But we're going to pick up chapter 10, verse 19. This is crazy. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. We'll pause a second there. So therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places. It's not a tiptoe. 
Like we're, it'd be like me busting it like, I don't want to, because some of you might be real offended by this, so I don't want to joke about the death of the queen, right? She's old, right? If the queen dies today and I get on a flight and go over there and I bust into the Buckingham Palace like, I'm the one, I'm next in line, trust me, right? I'm never going to get there. They're going to arrest me before I get there, but I don't belong, right? There's no chance. Right? There's nothing I can do to become the next in line. I don't have what it takes. God is saying, forget the queen, forget royalty. You're an inheritance. You're bought. You're a son or daughter of the king of kings. You are invited. You're supposed to have confidence to bust into the holy of holies. Only one dude in all of Israel was allowed there one day a year. And now you're confidently saying, I belong here. If the presence of God is behind those doors, you're not like, oh, should I? Come, somebody come with me. You're like, bust, like, hey, hey, this is where I am. This is where I'm supposed to be. How could you be confident? By the blood of Jesus. What we celebrate year round, what he accomplished on the cross, he was your ticket. He won you access. And it says specifically to enter the holy places. Like this is not some weird thing that, you know, is kind of indirect or, or abstract. You are invited behind the curtain by the blood of Jesus. That was what he was accomplishing. By the new and living way, he opened, a, opened for us through the curtain, which is his flesh. His body is the curtain. We go through Jesus to get to the holy, intimate relationship with God. And we still suffer from Old Testament law thinking. We still think certain people have access. I can prove it. I can't tell you how many times people have asked me to pray. And I love, I love praying. I have a prayer journal and I, I pray faithfully for our church and for issues. I can't tell you how many times somebody has said with a smirk on their face, would you pray for me, pastor, because you kind of have a direct line. You have a little more leverage as if my prayer right might mean more because there's a pastor in my title right we still struggle to accept the result of the gospel which is there is an intimate holy of holies presence of god crazy like presence of god the holiest place the most intimate relationship and you are invited by yourself with all your mess Right? Some of you can buy that, but you think, okay, so yeah, when I get my life together, then I can go meet with God. Stop. <laughs> he went ahead of you because you would never get your life together. He invites you to have confidence to enter the holy place because of Jesus. He's our priest. He did it for us. Next verse. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Strong, we'll come back to that. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. All right, so I wanna, I wanna give you a few things to, to take with you from from behind the curtain, from there's a promise, there's an inheritance, there's a hope that we talked about last week, but the result of that hope is understanding like what he was talking about. When he said the inner place, that was no joke. This is the holiest place that there was, and you, you are invited, right? Young people don't hear like, oh man, like the adults can go into the holy place. It doesn't, anybody whose faith is in Jesus, you are invited not to go once and hang out, to live. Right? That's the thing. Let me make sure we understand because I live this, this distance thing was my view of God is there's Jesus up on the mountain and I'm down here living life and I'm going to middle school, I'm going to high school, I'm going to college, I'm in my 20s, and, and all these years I was like, all right, Jesus, you're watching, right? Watch me do this good thing. Jesus, watch me not do this bad thing. What are you doing? And my view of Jesus was him up there and when I was doing well, that's my boy, David, I see you. <laughs> good job. And then when I didn't, Oh, he would just be like, oh, my, what are you, what are you doing? Right? And, and every once in a while, maybe at camp in the summer, 
I would go and I would really like meet with Jesus, like me and him and like, okay, I'm going to go back to life. You're going to be up on the mountain and I'm going to do better this year. We're going to do that. And I would go meet with Jesus sometimes Sunday morning, right? I would go meet with Jesus and and now I'm going to go live my life and we'll get back together. And it was this distance, right? That's so not right. That's so empty. That's so defeating. It's so dangerous. And I'm slowly now, gradually, I've learned through the years, I, I don't, he's not up there, he's in here. I'm not performing for him and he's clapping when I'm doing great and he's mad when I'm doing wrong. Like he's in me and with me, we are connected where I go, he goes. And if I want to go do something stupid or look at something bad, like he's right there with me. The Holy Spirit of Jesus lives in me and, and we don't meet once a year to get a, a plan and then go out and live it. No, every day is this real, intimate, behind the curtain relationship. That's what he wants for you. Anything other than that is religion, which Jesus railed against. Anything other than that is man-made your effort to do something to make you feel better. But it doesn't come with the fruit. Every time I hear a Christian talk about, it's kind of stale, it's kind of boring. It just breaks my heart because one thing that this intimate Christian behind the curtain life is never is boring, predictable, or stale. It is crazy. It is unpredictable. It is alive. I want you to taste that. He wants you to taste that. And some of the, for some of us, the reason we're not tasting it is because we're following from a distance. And we're not sure, like, and it's kind of like a, we paint it as respectable. I kind of like, I don't, you know, me and the Holy of Holies, like, we kind of, we kind of position it as a respect for God thing. Well, God, he's so like, ah, you know, he's, I'm, I'm he's holy. And, and God's saying, I know I'm holy. And I know you're not worthy. And I sent Jesus as a forerunner on your behalf to make you holy because you could never be holy. And the win from Jesus coming and dying on a cross and raising the dead is that you could come live intimately with me with no fear and full confidence. Not someday, today. So here's the takeaway from all those things. Number one, it says in verse 22, let's draw near with a true heart. Let's do that this week. Right? I have no idea where you're at with God. You may be miles. Maybe you are following. Wherever you're at, just keep drawing near. And like, well, I'm really far right now. That's okay. Draw nearer. And when you come, come with a true heart. What does that mean? It means you don't have to fake. That's the point. <laughs> One dude could get in the Holy of Holies because there's all these circumstances, all this ceremony. He had to do this right, do that right. We'll talk more about that next week. But now... All that's blown up. You are invited. So come with a true heart. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to pretend like you got it together when you don't. You have special access. You know, we, we did this series behind the music. It was so awesome. Two or three of the songs we talked about were from Maverick City. We talked about how they're game changers. Beautiful. Well, well, the staff told me the other day, Maverick City's coming to Raleigh. Right, they're doing a June concert. I think it's at Red Hat. I think it's the outdoor, whatever. So it's like Relentless is going to be in the building, even though it's not in a building. Right, so I was looking at tickets, and for like a million dollars, you can get VIP tickets. Like, what in the world? Like, VIP. And it's not, they price them in a way that only a few people are going to be very important people, VIP, in the VIP section, right? I don't know about you, but me and my, me and my people, we're going to be back, back, back there in the lawn <laughs> section. It's going to be a beautiful day. It'll be fine. Right, but VIP, if everybody could afford it, then it wouldn't be very exclusive, Jesus came so there would be no VIP, right? It's one of the reasons, it's just little things we don't do. You don't ever go sit me, you never see me sitting in some big, tall chair. You ever seen those chairs that makes a six-foot man look three-foot tall because they're like these enormous chairs, just anything visual to try to make people look like, like there's none of that. There's no VIP. When we go before Jesus, it's not going to be, hey, get your pastor. It's going to be you and the King of Kings face-to-face. So we draw near with a, with a clean heart, with a true heart. We're not faking anything. We have VIP access. How? How could we? We're so messed up because Jesus went ahead of us. He's the ticket. You ever been to a VIP event? You got to show your credentials. What's your credentials? Jesus. He gets you in. The blood of Jesus gets you in to the Holy of Holies. Next, see yourself as clean. This is so important for some of you. Right? Verse 23, it talks about. 
Um, our hearts, or 22, our hearts sprinkled clean with an evil conscience, bodies washed pure. If you're a follower of Jesus, now if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not clean. Let's be real. What's that look like? It looks like a surrender of your life, not believing in God, but you saying, I'm going to trust Jesus with my life. That's the step. If you've made that step, right, when you make that decision, you're baptized. We've got a baptism Sunday coming up. It's been way too long. We'll tell you more about that next week. Super excited. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, then you need to see yourself as God says you are. Clean. Well, I had a bad week. Well, I had a bad weekend. Listen, if your cleanliness comes and goes with how good you did last night, man, that's tough. That's man-made. We're going to be a mess. We're all going to be a constant spiritual roller coaster of how well we performed this week. Your cleanliness comes from Jesus doing what he did for you on the cross and you trusting it. That's what makes you clean. And I know that scares some of you. Parents, some of you are like, don't say that in front of my teenager. <laughs> don't tell them they're clean even when they're dirty because then they're just going to run to filth. No, they're not. The reality of the gospel, we got a whole series coming about this later in the year. The reality of the gospel is the more you understand your cleanliness and who you are according to Jesus, the more that motivates you to run from sin. If you understand who you are, you live out of who God says you are. There's no fear in that. It's not going to make you run and take advantage. You don't mock God. The more you understand that I am clean, even when, I'm, when I act dirty, I'm still clean because he cleaned me. A once and for all, forever. See yourself. Look in the mirror and see yourself as clean. Three, says do not waver. Let's hold fast the confession. Don't waver from our hope. We talked about that hope a lot last week. I don't need to go back there. But his promise is true. So we don't waver on where our hope is. Our hope is what is coming, and it is coming. And that draws us into the inner place behind the curtain. And that nearness is going to help you trust him so much more. Right? That's, that's, you understand? We got people standing out the outside of the curtain, and I'm scared to go back there because I don't know what intimacy with God looks like. So I'm just going to stand out here, and, and God, you know, just kind of prove yourself. And he has, and he will, but really, the way you get your own story is back there. By going close and tight and living in that partnership, even this week, it doesn't even take months or years. It is a process. But even this week, if you'll listen to what God's saying through his word this morning, even this week, you'll get a taste of him being faithful in your life. It's not a pastor up here preaching, God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. I should believe it because he keeps saying it. It's in like every song, so I guess he's faithful. Okay, that's a beginning, but that's nothing compared to you saying, I don't care what you say, pastor. I know God is faithful because I saw it this week. How do you see it? You see it by being near, by confidently busting in. Scripture says we approach the throne of grace with confidence. Not tiptoeing. Well, I don't want to disrespect God. I feel like I, I was taught that tiptoeing is reverent. Stop. Reverent is knowing that God is holy and we're not, and that the glory and the power, like Chauncey said, comes from him. That is reverent. Tiptoeing around him when he said, I sent Jesus so you wouldn't have to tiptoe. Get in here and be with me. That's not reverent to run away from that. So see yourself how he sees you. Draw near with a true heart. Don't waver from our hope. And it's that hope and that life that you're going to have your own story. The nearer you get, the more he'll show up. Now, the last bit of this, right? Because there's a temptation in me to just like, you know what? That's how I'm going to live. The rest of my days, I want to be tight with God, intimate with God. And that's true. And it's about me and him. And it's about you and him. So you do your thing with him. I'll do my thing with him. And if you need me, call me. But the reality is, over and over and over and over and over and in the gospel, the tighter you get with God, here's how you know if you're getting tighter with God, the more it will revolutionize your human relationships. It is not on an island. It is not you in a bubble. It is not just about you and God. Well, we always say it, right? The vertical, the more you grow in this vertical, the more that completely transforms the horizontal. And every time I say that, I get nervous if I've got those backwards. But I think vertical's up, right? Horizontal here, right? So it will revolutionize. And he gives us that in, in the scripture on the next verse. 
right? Let's stir one another up, right? So we, you know the context. We've walked through this curtain and the places and the, the intimacy with God and holding fast to our hope. Let's not waver. He's faithful. It's all been about us and God. And then just naturally it goes to, hey, let's think about how we can motivate, stir up. Now, it doesn't say shame, right? We're not shaming each other. Like, what have you done this week? That's shame, right? Like, did you waste another week of life? Come on, people. And you can get humans to do some things with shame and guilt, right? It's not pretty. It's religious. It's not relationship. It's religion. But this doesn't say shame people. It says, let's stir. It means motivate, encourage. You know those people in your life that just make you want to be better? Like, that's what, let's stir each other up to do good and to love well. Like, how, how, how did we do this week? Like, think about it in your head. Some of, a, some of you we haven't seen for seven days, maybe longer, but just this last seven days. Did you love people well? Well, man, I thought we were talking about me and like I was like getting excited of being behind the curtain. I'm telling you, and he's telling you, if you want to live behind the curtain, here's what's going to happen. You're going to start to love people that are hard to love. You're going to live not based on how people respond or if they tell you or act like they're supposed to act. You're going to start to live out of the heart of Jesus. I just want to do good and love people this week. Even when people are the opposite of that to you, how can I do good? That's us. How can we bring this world? Have you noticed we could use a little more of some people devoting their life to loving and doing good? Like, I think I may be crazy optimist. I'm still, I'm getting a little older I'm getting a little older, but I'm getting more optimistic that forget second service, 11 o'clock, sleep in, lazy people, right? Just us, just kidding, just us in this room. If we would go through the power of Jesus, not our own, through the power of Jesus, I'm meeting with Jesus, I'm behind the curtain, I'm welcome there, I want intimacy, he knows everything and he still invites me and I'm sitting and living and loving him that way and I'm living outwardly at my job, at my home, in my family, in my relationships. I just want to love people and do good for the glory of God. I think we could change Raleigh this week. <laughs> it connects, so... Let's do that this week. Let's just love well, regardless of what comes back to us. Let's just do good. Maybe, maybe a small start. Maybe some of you need to say something nice about that team that you're cheering against, whoever that might be. Hmm. Let's move on. The last bullet from this. Let's not stir each other, or let's stir each other up. And then he attaches that to this. Let's not neglect meeting together. As is the habit of some, let's encourage one another. Here, here's the deal. This stirring up life that comes out of us living behind the curtain and realizing none of us have special access, none of, our, none of us are excluded because of what we've done or how we failed, amen, hallelujah, and none of us have a special place behind the curtain. Oh, that's just for that person because, uh, no, we all have this beautiful access won by Jesus to come to God. Now we're interconnected. It's not us and God all figuring out. People are so popular today after the pandemic. I'm gonna go out in the woods and that's my church. I'm gonna go be with God. The problem with that is that God that will meet you in the woods, nothing wrong with worshiping God in the woods. The God who wants to meet you in the woods says, my church is my body. And he said, don't stop coming together. You need each other. And you're always gonna need each other. You're never gonna evolve past that. And let's just be real. We're coming out. The hardest part, it's not, you know, for us as a church, it's not, you know, the disease, although it's been brutal. And the, the worst part, you know, is the funerals of, of, of bodies that have been right here in, in front of this room, of people that died that are not with us. All right, it's awful. But as a church living out what God called us to be, the hardest part is we haven't been able to be together. It's really hard to stir each other up to good and love works on a Zoom call. Raph preached this amazing series years ago that changed our church. It was called Tabling, and it was from Scripture about how important it is to sit around tables. Eat. God's into eating, if you read the Word. There's something about conversation about Jesus around a table that is everything to a body of Christ. And there's some of us that were getting good at that. And the reality is for about 18 months, 
I mean, don't even talk about you. Let me talk about me. For about 18 months, we had nobody at our table except for family. Not because we stopped liking people, because that was what seemed like right and safe to do. So as a church, we saw it last week, new people, new services, beautiful. It was a beautiful start last week. But it was a reminder. As a church, we got some rebuilding to do because we don't really know each other. And some of us know each other better than others, but for the most part, we haven't been doing relationships very well for two years. And yeah, you can kind of pick up where we, but for a lot and a lot of new folks and a new faces, which we thank God for, our foundation hasn't changed. We're not starting over. We're gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement. Relationally, we're kind of starting from scratch. And that's okay. If we embrace it and we're going to help you, we're going to do some things on the church calendar. We got uh, small groups that we're going to do in a different way than we've ever done them. We'll be telling you about that next week that's coming after Easter. We, we can't do this. We can't stir each other up to love and good works and, unless we're meeting and knowing. It's not just about being in there. When it says meeting together, it doesn't mean you're just, hey, we were in a room together. You got to know. Somebody had relent. You can't know everybody's name. Somebody's got to know your name. We got to know and be known. We're really excited about getting back to that. And we want you to be excited with us. I think you got some choices this week. I think you can not follow God. God gives us that choice. I think you can do what I did for a portion of my life and I can follow in you, but there's a healthy distance here because I know who I am and I know who you are and the kind of that Peter vibe. Hey, get away from me because I'm a sinful man. But Jesus crushed that whole line of thinking when he went to the cross, died for my sin, rose from the dead. And now he invites us to the third way of living, which is following tight and close, confidently showing up in the presence of God. How crazy. Confidently. Your, your week will change. Confidently show up in the presence of God this week. Draw near to him. Know your identity. Know that you're clean. Encourage somebody, stir somebody up. Let's love and do good. And let's not give up on each other and becoming the church that he's called us to be. Let me pray that for us. I'm gonna ask you to stand because I think you pray better when you stand. I don't know. Father, we, uh, we're just blown away that you want us behind the curtain. God, there is part of my flesh still today as I preach that I don't know. I don't know if I can really sit with you back there. It's just, it's more comfortable out here, God. But I, you, you have been so good and so patient and so faithful, and I know what's true for me and true for everybody in this room. When I feel fully alive, when I know, when my soul is, is, is on fire, when I know the reason I'm here, everything right about life comes when I'm sitting tight, in your presence, unapologetically, not like, oh, I shouldn't be here, but no, I am here and I should be here because my God called me here and my ticket in, God, is the blood of Jesus. God, help us understand that, embrace that, be moved by that and help us live that out. God, I pray right now that our first service, Relentless Church, this week, we would be excited and empowered to love people well and do good for your name and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and go. Amen. Have a great week. Bring somebody with you next week.